Were you in the school system during the COVID period? Yep. How was that? A lot of that was online. Like oh, of course. Online, which really sucked. When you did go back to school where there's enforced masking? Oh, yeah. So how did you deal with that? Like, it, it wasn't very fun. We had to wear masks like 24-7. Now, what's your opinion on the uh, validity? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're useless. Do you think they do any harms or just useless? Just, I didn't waste money. Look like stupid. No, you just you had to wear it yourself. And you yeah, we were, you didn't like, try to oppose to. it or anything. I mean, like we used to wear it under our nose, and we would get in trouble for that and all that. So go to the principal's office. Pretty much, yeah. What does the principal want all these guys in there with no mat, half mask half off? You must have got COVID and died. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, any other comments on the COVID time or online schooling? Um, Did you think? That went better or worse? It was horrible. Like our class just dropped. Okay. And they, in my opinion, haven't gone up since. I think my English class, uh, we were talking about a class the other day, I think our class average is like a 63%. And what was it before, you know? COVID. Um, I think the average for most classes was in the 80s. Wow. A small fringe minority holding unacceptable uh, views. Today I bring you part two of my interview with Daniel Hodson, a student at Stratford District Secondary School. Last week in part one, Daniel blew the whistle on the harm students are experiencing thanks to woke ideologies such as transgenderism and critical race theory, which have invaded the school curriculum. That episode has become our most popular so far. It has been viewed by many of the students and staff at Dan School with positive feedback. In today's episode, we shift to focusing on other ways the woke school system is failing students and explore alternatives to how kids can still receive a good education that will lead to well-paying careers. Dan Hodson lives in Perth County. When Daniel turned 14, he took his first job working on a dairy farm. He is now 17 and apprentices at Van Ness Repair, where he is learning to become a car mechanic. In this week's episode, we discuss the shocking reason Daniel will not use the restrooms in his school anymore. How Daniel's teachers waste time indoctrinating students with LGBTQ1A2S plus ideology, instead of focusing on more appropriate lessons, such as algebra for formulas. How the consequences of masking, lockdowns, and online schooling have harmed students and their future prospects. Why Daniel has chosen to seek only passing grades. The reason even conservative politicians are not speaking out against such psychological and physical abuse being perpetrated upon children and teens. The Canadian economy is crashing due to out-of-control government spending. Likewise, job opportunities are decreasing due to out-of-control immigration policies. This is a time when students need the most help to prepare for a difficult future. Daniel Hodson, however, provides an example of how not to be a victim of the woke-out school system. At least, have you ever been kicked out of class for not saying something? Well... Never that bad. No, no, no. Okay, no. that's good to hear it's not that bad yet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be a worry. Like, if you if they asked you to say your personal pronoun and you were refusing to give your personal pronoun, I'd be curious to see if, you know, one day, it's like, listen, if you will not tell the class your personal pronoun, you've got to go to the principal and have a talk with, um, let me look at my list, with him. You've got to have a talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> he just updated it today. <laughs> Yesterday was uh, day. Yeah. <laughs> 
and it's sad. But that's how the last three years have been in so many ways. I'm curious, how was, were you in the school system during the COVID period? Yep. How was that? Just um, not to go into too much detail, but just... A lot of that was online. Like, oh, of course. Online, which really sucked. When you did go back to school where there's enforced masking? Oh, yeah. So how did you deal with that? Like It, one it wasn't very fun. We had to wear masks, like, 24-7. Now, what's your opinion on the uh, they don't validity? Do okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're useless. Do you think they do any harms, or just useless? Just, I didn't waste money, but, like, stupid. Did you find it had any social effects? No, I wouldn't say that. You don't, you don't think it hurt? Well, now, between if, people? say, like, if somebody wears one now, I would say, yeah, it has some social effects. Now, you just, you had to wear it yourself, and yeah, you, we you were, didn't like, try to oppose to. it or anything. I mean, like, we used to wear it under our nose, and we would get in trouble for that and all that, so. Go to the principal's office? Pretty much, yeah. What does the principal want all these guys in there with no ma half the mask half off? You must have got COVID and died. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, any other comments on the COVID time or online schooling? Um, did you think that went better or worse? It was horrible. Like our class average just dropped. Okay. And I, in my opinion, haven't gone up since. I think my English class. Uh, we were talking about it in class the other day. I think our class average is like a sixty-three percent. And what was it before, you know? COVID. Um, I think the average for most classes was in the 80s. Wow. I just saw the headline for the New York Times recently, just last week. You know, New York Times is not exactly a conservative newspaper. And they put out saying that the COVID lockdowns have put us two generations behind in educational progress. Oh, yeah. Like it's going to hurt us so much, the kids not being able to uh, participate properly in society and contribute. Mm -hmm. Unless... We homeschool these kids, and they can accelerate their education. <laughs> yeah. Public education, I, I won't argue. It's, uh, I, I mean, again, it's a race to the bottom. Oh yeah. There's, there's this. I know when I was in school, this is going back a long ways now. Um, but the bright kids were sort of knocked down, mm -hmm. and 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 there was this this normal level and if you tried to go beyond that level um, it really wasn't encouraged um, socially or, or otherwise so um, it was yeah the, the, the comfortable place is to be with the, with the pack and unfortunately that, that that's the public education system and unfortunately that does not encourage a good societal growth. Uh, it encourages Marxism. Yeah. Sir Ken Robinson said one of the biggest problems of the school system is everyone's it's based on a factory system and everyone's gear they're classified by um, data manufacturer. So if you're a certain age you're put with other people you're a certain age, which is not make any sense because you might be brighter. So if you're brighter, go with people who are brighter and work with them at that level. But the model we have is this. It's, I believe we have a system of education that is modelled on the interests of industrialism and in the image of it. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, schools are still pretty much organised on factory lines, so ringing bells, separate facilities, uh, specialised into separate subjects. Um, we still educate children by batches. You know, we put them through the system by age group. Why do we do that? You know, why is there this assumption that the most important thing kids have in common is how old they are. You know, it's like the most important thing about them is their date of manufacture. You know what I mean? Well, I know kids who are much better than other kids at the same age in different disciplines, you know, or at different times of the day, or better in smaller groups than in large groups, or sometimes they want to be on their own. If you're interested in a model of learning, you don't start from this production line mentality. These are, it's essentially about conformity, and increasingly it's about that as you look at the growth of standardized testing and standardized curricula. And it's about standardization. I believe we've got to go in the exact opposite direction. That's what I mean about changing the paradigm. What's, what are your plans? Like, you're in grade 11. Yep. You've got one more year to go. Are you planning on doing grade 13? No. No, I didn't do it either. I Get out there. <laughs> and where are you going? Uh, Yale? Uh, no. <laughs> Not quite. No, okay. Maybe Harvard. Maybe Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's your plans? Um, you have any, or, you know, what are your feelings about 
I don't know, I was thinking sticking with being a mechanic, like apprenticing as a mechanic. Car mechanic? Yeah. Alright. Um, why is that? I like fixing stuff, like working my hands. Yeah. Working kid. Yeah. One of the many, or very few. <laughs> Which is odd. That would put, put your Car. distinct advantage in your generation as well. Mm -hmm. Because uh, most, most people really don't want to or really aspire to using their hands. Yeah. And Do you say their heads or their hands? Well, realistically, both. as a mechanic, they have to. You have to do both. They yeah. have to. They have to be really sharp, really sharp, but they also have to be able to uh, um, pull the, you know, figure out what the problem is, pull the the, the part, like pull the car apart mm -hmm. until they can get to the problem, find, um, get the replacement part, and put it back in and put it all back together. And you can do that already. For the most part, yeah. And you're only 17? 16. 16. Yep. And, uh, and you actually get paid to do this right yep. now, too. And, and unless they get rid of cars, you got a pretty good future. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it can spin off. So a so car, car, sure, you car can mechanic it, yeah. can, can very quickly pick up uh, heavy, heavy equipment. Mm -hmm. Construction, so, farm. So whether it's construction equipment or farm equipment or, or, or tractor trailers. Truck and coach, yeah. Truck and coach, yeah. buses. Um, so, so the, the the potential for Danny, as a, a starting out as an automotive mechanic, is is basically sky's the limit. Yeah. Because all these vehicles, every vehicle you see on the road, sure, requires the services of a mechanic. Mm -hmm. they, at one point or another in its history, or in its you know in its lifespan, it's going to require the services of a minimally to change oil, to rotate tires. Do you know Charlie Kirk? Charlie Kirk. Yeah, he runs a Turning Point USA. Got a three-minute clip here. I think you'll want to see what you think about this. Hey, I've got a great investment idea for you. You give me a hundred thousand dollars and four years of your life, and I give you, hmm, pretty much nothing. No, I'm not the devil. I'm Mr. College and I'm here to help you finance this wonderful opportunity. I have a whole package of government loans and impressive sounding scholarships to make it all possible. Of course, you'll have to pay interest on the loans, which will double the cost over time, but that's a problem for future you. It need not concern us now. Do we have a deal? Yes. Of course we do. You want to succeed in life, don't you? How can you do that without a college degree? But that doesn't mean you can't have a good time. Are you a movie fan? We've got a degree for that. How about criminal justice? Be like one of the cool people on the TV detective shows. And we offer a whole selection of minority and gender studies programs. Learn why you're a victim and deserve to be angry all the time. What are you waiting for? Sign on the dotted line. Classes begin in the fall. Don't miss orientation, especially if you're male. You don't want to be parading your toxic masculinity around the campus. Definitely not cool. Sound crazy? I don't know why it should. Millions of college students make that deal every year, usually with their parents' encouragement and financial support. Now, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against going to college. I sincerely believe it can be a worthwhile pursuit under the right circumstances. If you want to be a doctor or an architect, for example, it's obviously a necessity. But look through the typical college syllabus, and it's clear that most of the majors not to mention classes, are a waste of time and money. So why do responsible adults who only want the best for their children and are usually cautious with their hard-earned money squander it on such a bad investment? Worse, why would they send their son or daughter to a school to learn to reject the values they, the parents, hold dear? On what planet does that make sense? It doesn't. It's an old paradigm, and we need to break it before it breaks us. How do we do that? Here are two solutions that would go a long way to solving the problem. One, ask yourself if you really need to go to college. Most of us go to college because it's simply expected that we do so. Our parents expect it, our friends expect it. Plus, it sounds like fun, a rite of passage, an escape from mom and dad and all their rules but none of that actually has anything to do 
with getting an education or earning a living after you leave college. Maybe you're not the academic type. What's wrong with that? Nothing. According to a Georgetown University study, there are 30 million jobs paying over $55,000 a year that don't require a college degree. Learn a skill like welding or plumbing or a dozen other trades and you'll never be looking for a job. The jobs will be looking for you. We're talking $50 an hour or more, six-figure income after five years and no debt. Consider the military. You learn essential skills and again, no debt. Or go into sales. You don't need a sociology degree for that. So what do you think about that? Yeah, it depends on if you're the right person for college or not. Well, he gave two options there. What did, you know, he was, I was impressed with the fact he said, you know, get a trade, join the military, go into sales, which I actually yeah. found interesting because that's exactly, I did the third one. I wasn't expecting that. Because we all know in the sales world that it's like, you want to make money at sales. The last person they want to hire is someone who has a marketing degree. Yeah. I did two of the three. So you did, you, you were, were you in the military? Or no, you did sales and trade. I did sales trade. And, and, and trade. Well, and a lot of times too, if you have a trade, you end up having to be involved in sales naturally if you're going to mm -hmm. sell your trade. That's part, that's part of it. Yeah. Depending on the demand. But what were you doing then? I sold real estate for 13 years. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're a real sales. Yeah. Dedicated sales. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, oh, this is why you're such a door knocker. <laughs> Actually, 13 years of selling real estate. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's one thing, there had to be some history to it. I just assumed you were Jehovah's Witness, but no, you're. <laughs> <laughs> they never got me. They, they, uh, they tried, they tried, but they never. Well, I have a lot of admiration for the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness to go around knocking on doors that's and trying a, to sell. That's a tough sell. A very. A really tough in, sell, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, they, they got guts. Yeah. I always, you know, yeah, but. Um, yeah, yeah. How much does Steve charge you to uh, learn? From nothing. him, nothing. nothing, 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 nothing. I get paid to learn from him. You get. We call that. What do we call that? Apprenticeship. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. One one advice I would give to any young person, uh, a little piece of advice is, um, really smart what he what he suggested. Take a year off, minimum year mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever you do, stay out of debt. Until until you've got your education figured out, stay away from debt. And uh, you know those credit cards are tempting and, and everything else, but live with it well within your means, save your money, mm -hmm. and uh, and if you decide to go to university, it puts you in a stronger position to be able to go. So. And it's surprising a lot of courses now, like people in India, get an engineering degree online for like fifteen thousand dollars to the same knowledge that costs ridiculous amounts of money here. I had a friend who did engineering at Thunder Bay and it was required for him to take Ojibwe language courses while he was doing it. And he was stressed out of his mind just trying to, you know, pass the course plus learn Ojibwe at the same time. And I said, well, why do you need this? Are you going to be like building bridges and native communities? And I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Uh, so, I mean, did, would learning Ojibwe help you become a better mechanic? No. Sure? No. Well, maybe if you decided to move to a oh, <laughs> reserve yeah. and do the yeah. mechanics, but otherwise, yeah, so, yeah. It, it's just bizarre, and I think that's what he meant, the silly courses they had, like mm -hmm. learning uh, medieval feminism or something, whilst you're trying to become a brain surgeon. Which, uh, to me, when I, if I need a brain surgeon, it would not be on my list to find out whether he could speak Ojibwe or knew about medieval feminism. You want to sign a real deal breaker for you? Let's... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually a, a make work for for less than productive professors that really shouldn't be there as professors. Mm -hmm. They should be living in the real world and finding out what it's like to live in the real world rather than stealing our resources and stealing worse yet stealing the resources of uh, of young people that really can't afford to have their resources taken away from them. This is uh, weapons of mass instruction. I recommend, especially any parent or teenager, read this book because it totally demolishes the school system. Uh, the importance of it after maybe you learn how to read and write. 
I just got three paragraphs here I want to read from you. I want to get your point of view, see if you would actually do this or not. He won the New York Teachers Award, and um, he had one student called Stanley. He says, let me tell you a little about Stanley, whose past crossed mine when he was, in, when he was just 13. Stanley only came to class one or two days a month, and I knew that sooner or later he'd be caught in the truancy net and persecuted. I liked Stanley, not least because he never whined when other kids bothered him because he was fat. He simply pounded them so hard that on the head nobody ever bothered Stanley a second time. I hoped to spare him the grim experience of becoming a social service case. So I asked him one day what he did on all his absences. What he said changed my life. I never saw school the same after Stanley spoke. See, it seems Stanley had five aunts and uncles, all in business for themselves before the age of 21. His aim was to follow in their footsteps. Even at age 13, he had been made aware of Time's winged chariot hurrying near that he had only eight years to make the miracle of an independent livelihood. One of the relatives was a florist, one a builder of unfurnished furniture, one a deli owner, one had a little restaurant, one owned a delivery service. Stanley cut school to work without pay for each of these relatives, bartering labor in exchange for learning the businesses, and a whole lot more. Working in the company of men and women who cared for him much more than any professional stranger would have. It was a better educational package than whatever he missed cutting school, hands down. As he put it to me, man to man, the way I, this way I got a chance to see how the, how the different businesses work. You tell me what books I have to read and I'll read them, but I don't have time to waste in school unless I want to end up like you. Working for somebody else. <laughs> when I heard that, I couldn't keep him locked up with good conscience. Besides, his mother agreed, so I began to cover for him, logging him present when he was making floral bouquets or building furniture. So my question to you is, like, it's nice, and we won't tell Steve this, but it's nice Steve's paying you, but would you do it for free just to have learned? Oh, yeah. Like Stanley here? Do you yeah. think this is a smart kid, or is this like... Just to have a future, really. Like what he said there, he said, I got eight years to make an independent living. Yeah. Is, I, is that what went through your head? Like what, you said you started working at 14, most kids don't. Yeah, like within the week, the week of my uh, 14th birthday, I got a job. Why? That's how my parents did it. That's how I was always taught. Mm. Have you ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Uh, no, I haven't. It's on my list. It's along the same lines of that. Um, the the uh, author, I, so he's a fairly well-known military yes, I, man here in the States. Japanese man, is he not? He is, yeah. I'm, I'm, his name isn't like there, but it's, I can't access it. I'm, I'm the same way. Um, it's he, a cool sounding name too, and I wish I could remember. You know those Japanese names that could have flow off your tongue? Yeah. Uh, maybe we should just look it up so we look smart. Uh, there he is. Uh, yeah, Co uh, Robert. What's that? T. Yeah, Robert T. Kiyo Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. Kiyo Kiyosaki. Yeah, that's it. Robert. Robert Kiyosaki. So yes, uh, rich, rich dad, poor dad. Um, Robert Kiyosaki is the author, and he goes into like he talks about um, meeting uh, his his best friend's dad. His best friend's dad was was very wealthy, independent. Mm -hmm. Story. The, 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 his friend's dad offered him the opportunity to work with him and the, the deal was he had to work for free mm. and so he decided he would take him up on it. Well, it turned out that he was, he, by working for free he was gaining skills, he was seeing how, how uh, um, the marketplace worked and he started to see opportunities that he wouldn't see otherwise. And so he, he, he goes to his, uh, his friend's dad and says, I see this opportunity, are you okay if I pursue it? His friend's dad, absolutely, go for it. And that was the beginning of his, uh, his, um, his money-making enterprises. So it's more a function of, of being able to 
it, I, I think I think you, um, I read a book once that talked about taking advantage of the government's memory, and I love the analogy of that. And but even if like it's, there's a reason why the government insists that we have jobs, and the reason that, that we have jobs is so we can be controlled. We're easier to control. Our income's predictable, and the more predictable our income is, the more the, the easier we are to control. What do you mean they insist we have jobs as opposed to well, it, what, being self-employed? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I insist is maybe the wrong wrong term. Encouraged. We're we're strongly encouraged to have jobs. Yeah. Um, to be an employee. To be an employee. That's yeah. right. Okay. Um, we're not encouraged to think. Um, Entrepreneurially. Entrepreneurially. Some people naturally are, um, but we're not encouraged to think that way. And we're not, um, we're also, employers are forced to pay minimum wage, uh, which doesn't encourage productive thinking. Yeah. Which, is, in a way, is a, is a form, like, it, it encourages enslavement and entrapment is what it does. But uh, um, by by being able to look outside the box, being able to look at uh, you know four opportunities and, and, and living by your wits, if you will, um, the opportunities are, are are there, and there's also a sense of of self confidence. I mean, I used to you know when I was I. I my trade, I learned my trade in sales, if you will. Um, when I, when I uh, apprenticed afterwards, it was more, um, I knew, I knew what, was, what to do and I knew how, you know, I, I knew what was expected. Um, but the, the real, real learning for me was in sales. And I used to have a saying that I wanted to know that I 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 could look after. Uh, at that point I was single and look after a wife family. And I just wanted that internal knowledge that I, I, I could do it. And um, yeah, and when, once I acquired that, um, the world opened up for me. And by being a slave to a wage, you really don't have that internal confidence, if you will. I see you nodding your head, especially when you mentioned the family thing. Is that a part of a motivation for you to get your income up and everything? So yeah, that you can have a wife and children? Support and family, yeah. Have a good, solid family. Because, you know, you'll attract a better mate and partner if you they see someone that they know can provide. Yeah, someone useful, not living off the government. Yeah, yeah. And are, is entrepreneurship something you're considering, or like um, starting your own mechanic shop one day? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. It would be cool. Though so sometimes too, when you're dealing with like a small businesses, it's almost like everyone is almost like a co-owner anyways. It becomes, I feel like my experience of working, I've worked in small restaurants in Toronto, uh, one small restaurant in Toronto, and I just saw that the people who stuck along, they were getting paid so much, it was just like they were partners in the business eventually. Mm -hmm. You, you all have a stake in the business. Mm -hmm. the, the reality is, is if the business doesn't do well, the, 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 the wages can't be met. And if the wages can't be met, then you're, you're on the street. Mm -hmm. We're, um, if, if, if you take that, that attitude and, and encourage customers to come back. Um, I always maintain in a restaurant, the cheapest, cheapest part of running a restaurant is putting food on the table. Mm -hmm. and the most expensive part is getting people in the front door. And having them come back, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, getting them in the front door. Yeah, yeah. The, the idea is and again and coming, again. Yeah. coming in the front door, yes. Yeah. No, I had that experience in the first restaurant I worked in in Toronto. I had, there was a large um, Spanish population in that area. And I already knew some Spanish, but I made a point every night of going home and upping my Spanish. So the point that anyone could come there and I could serve them in Spanish, like I could figure out what they wanted and so forth. And my boss, at the end of the week, he gave me a hundred extra dollars, just like bang. It was particularly too. I think at that that particular week was an enormous um, Spanish event was happening. So we were just flocked with people who couldn't speak English, 
And it was just something I did extra on my own. I didn't learn all that many words. Anyone could have done it. Spanish isn't that hard. But um, but he had that incentive. It was like, well, I see my employee making me more money. I'm going to give him more money. Yeah. I don't think you get that at Walmart if you do better. Walmart. You see, one something that I don't think people really understand this is when we talk about socialism, and we're anti-socialism. Everyone focuses on government as being the primary uh, motivator for socialism. But big business yeah. is a huge motivator for, for socialism because they, 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 they expect employees to conform. And in fact, it's, it's, it's a, a worse environment for, for people to, to exist in because there's no um, democratic representation whatsoever. There's no accountability. The, the accountability is to the bottom line and whatever, like it, it basically makes people, it devalues people in, 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 to, to the advantage of the dollar mm -hmm. and that, I, I really, I really have issues with that, I really have a problem with that. I, 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 Human resources. Mm -hmm. How do you mean, John? Well, that's how they refer to people as a resource that they I think they categorize as being, you know, just like any other asset in their business. It's not something they, I think, even see as being something that can develop or that they'd want to develop because it becomes a threat to them. That's Because eventually if someone gets too smart in Walmart, they're like, well, why don't I just start my own business? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Theoretically, yeah, yeah. They get the right backers and the way they go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I really like like it's not just Walmart but Amazon and, and the hyper hyper huge conglomerates. We were talking earlier about Microsoft. Yeah. And you know, their 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 whole business model is revolves around dollars, not around humanity. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really have a problem with that. I really have a big problem with that. Well sometimes I have the opposite problem having helped a lot of small businesses where they're too focused on the people and not enough on the money and then that creates the opposite spectrum where okay now because the best thing a small business can do to help the world is get bigger yeah 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 help themselves and you know although, although I'm, I'm guilty of key, I, I'm a one-man show I, I occasionally hire someone to, to help me but I, I tend to work, do, do things by myself so um, that's just the way I've, I've, it's really hard to transfer the skills I have. So it's just easier just to do it myself. Mm -hmm. So, but you're, you're a one-man show too, John. Oh, no, I'm not. I, no? Oh, you okay. just look at the back of my novel. There was 35 acknowledgements, the amount of people I paid to help me write that novel. Okay. I have a lot. I don't have, well, technically, I got so many virtual people I work with. I have like two proofreaders, you know. So okay. Um, okay. I consulted with, I, you know, a lot of the people on that list, I, I pay them, they either get royalties on the book or I pay them up front. And then I have a personal assistant who works six hours on site. Okay. Because, um, uh, I mean, my particular craft, I don't outsource that, but anything else I can outsource. Okay. Um, and I would encourage people to do, like, I see young men, you know, like, if you've got a good mechanic, it's like, and then they're cleaning their own house. It's like, why are you cleaning your house? Hire someone to clean your house. Oh. Because it costs you 25 bucks. Even if that's all you're making, it's still better because then you can focus on your craft. Focus on what you're, what you're good at. Yeah, because I mean, some stuff you can't outsource, but it's just like anything you can. Like I have, uh, most of the kitchen work is done by uh, uh, a nurse who was kicked out of the hospital system and I hired her two years ago. Okay. But I've been hiring people for oh, a decade now and it's, it's, it's worked out very nice and it helps them and I they get they're getting paid more than minimum wage and when they know they're getting paid 25 hours they try to get as much as they can done in, in that hour yeah. yeah so and it works better for me than you know going to a 25 dollars at a restaurant today doesn't go far I can have you know it's like you're lucky to get breakfast anymore for that. Yeah, and I got a good appetite so I was like when I sometimes you go to these days like you pay 20 bucks and you're looking at this it's just like what is this? <laughs> is this a senior's portion? <laughs> you know, so then my son, boy, you know, I was like, he's going to be broke, you know. So anyways, um, I'm going off on a tangent there. We can edit that out. I got a little clip. I got a little clip here again from Josh and them. 
um, talking about what they think the school system's doing to people. I wanted to see what you thought about that. Oh. Yeah, no, like I, I also just seen what the education system produces, and what I'm not impressed produce? with it. It produces docile, weak, pathetic um, excuses for for uh, what should be. Uh, people that are just beginning to go into the world and start their life and start their family, there's no ambition. Um, yeah, well, ambition, that's all part of that patriarchal oppression. Yeah, like so everybody's getting that. married at 30 and divorced at 35. Yeah. and Childless divorced yeah. at 35, yeah. Talking yeah. about the education system, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Diogenes, he was the uh, founder of the Cynic philosophy, I believe, was, I believe he was, and he said that the education of the youth is the foundation of a country. Mm -hmm. So if that's the foundation of our country, we've got a giant crack line running right through ours. Because no, yeah. Not in well, good one shape. of the things that really struck me to the core, I would say, when I started lecturing publicly and and being exposed to a much wider range—not so much range—a much larger number of people was the degree of demoralization, especially mm -hmm. among young men. Now, of course, if you demoralize young men, you also demoralize young women because exactly. you know we're in mm -hmm. this together. And the degree to which that was the case was really quite shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I, I thought it through. I mean, boys in particular, they get they get pilloried when they're very young because their play preferences don't match up with the idiot, idiot, what would you call it? False calmness of the typical classroom. So that's a big problem. And then, of course, anything that's, anything that's heterosexual is suspect on the grounds of power dynamics, essentially. Any ambition is associated with patriarchal oppression. And if mm -hmm. you manage to escape all of that, well, then you're destroying the planet. So that's basically your destiny as a young man, right? And any avenue of enterprise you might pursue in terms of ambition is suspect because all ambition is power and then all enterprise is evil capitalism and you know you're pretty much left with no with no out mm. and so well so that's demoralizing and and i suppose i think it's purposefully de demoralizing because if you believe that human activity is intrinsically destructive socially and with regard to the biosphere then you want to demoralize young men, so so what? So they sit around and do nothing because that way they're like, they're like involuntary Buddhists, you know. And Their that, only virtue is harmlessness. That of course, if, that's not a virtue. Exactly. And if you're part of the elite, if you want to tighten the tyrannical grasp on society, so to say, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to soften the men because that's going to be your biggest resistance right off the bat. If you're looking historically, it's the young men who will be most uh, resilient to oppression. Mm -hmm. And so... A, t a direct attack on their masculinity is the... And no MP, acting MP, has um, supported them once. Um, and that uh, when the Million, Ma Million Man March happened in, Tro in uh, Ottawa, they were there. You're familiar with the Million Man March? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, so protesting the Soji in the school, the sexual orientation and gender mm -hmm. ideology. Uh, no politician would march with them. Jagmeet's... Singh marched with the opposition with Antifa countering the million mil dollar million dollar no, million, million man march. Million, 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 million. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so, I guess the question is: Is you know, why is no politician getting involved? And do you think politician it should be a political issue? I would, I would assume so. Yeah. The, the pressure's on me. Yeah, you're the politician. The way our the way the way we are we are governed in this in this country right now. Actually, we've been governed this way for a large number of years. It's just coming to a head. Is a politician would okay? Yeah. The political winds are going that way. I need to get ahead of it, and and that's really what's going on. Um, the the Million Man March is not what is considered politically astute because it, it actually promotes family, it promotes uh, anti-Marxist behavior, anti-Marxist uh, um, ideology. But what we are pushing towards, and again, and in, uh, I'm going to 
come, uh, draw an analogy here. Um, I don't know if you're church goers or not, but uh, a church usually starts with a really strong um, pro-biblical message, and people flock to it, and they they, they, they want it, they, they they have there's a hunger for that for the the, the strong messaging, and eventually for whatever reason the uh, the leadership changes or the the leadership tends to relax mm -hmm. and that relaxation is uh, reflected on the uh, on the lack of attraction on Sunday mornings and so they go from seeing their their, their um, uh, followers decline and rather than reasserting the, 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 the strength and the power of, 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 the, of the scriptures, they start grasping at straws. And uh, what, what they end up doing is they end up watering the, the, the scriptures mm -hmm. down, hoping that that will attract more crowds. And more crowds means more, uh, more uh, revenue. And eventually they, they because they're not, they, 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 they go from watering it down to totally not respecting or, 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 or following the gospel at all. Um, United Church is guilty of that. Presbyterian Church is, is following the same suit. Um, Catholic Church is held strong, but it's, it's, it's got a lot of weak points. Um, the current Pope's and, not helping that one. That's right. And, and unfortunately, there was a lot of deviant sexual crap with the priests that's come to come to light and, and that's uh, that's you know that's really done a lot of harm with with the Catholic Church. Um, if you go to the original doctrines it, it's uh, um, I don't totally agree with a lot of things in the Catholic Church but it is it is a, a strong Christian uh, um, institution. Well I mean the main issues as far as for society goes is that they were places of to teach morality and ethics. That's right. Uh, you know, the metaphysical, transcendental stuff can be debated either way, and it's up to personal beliefs and experiences. But the, um, and I think that's actually too why you've seen this. Um, one Catholic historian, um, I forget his name now, uh, E. Michael Jones, he always called, he, he calls Islam the, um, uh, what was the word he used? It's almost the, uh, I can't remember the word he used, but he was pointing out one of the things, Islam often starts to rise because they tend to have very specific morals and a very specific strong. message. Yep. And they'll lose Christians to Islam because they see that strong, yep. and you know, and they got very strong family values. Yep. Um, that's why, you, you know, right now, is, uh, Islamic families in Canada are the second fastest growing um, community. Because yep. they believe in marriage, yep. and they don't, they don't have premarital sex. And they, they have no tolerance for deviant sexual behavior as well. Yeah, um, and that's why they were actually the ones leading the Million Man March. That's right. But to, to get back to where I was trying to go to is, similarly, our country was sure. built on strong values. You respect your neighbor. You, 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 um, you don't steal from your neighbor. You work hard. You, you, you live a productive life and, and you do the best you can to, to uh, move your life forward and you do not depend on the government. The government is the last thing you want to depend on. And that um, strength is what built our country. But now we're seeing that strength eroded. And I'm very thankful to meet a young man such as, as mm -hmm. Danny here. Gives me hope that there is going to be that strength in the next generation, and so um, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but we we have allowed a lot of rot into our system. We have, rather than leaders in parliament, we have cowards, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they they will not stand up, and they will not stand for what is correct or morally. Morally sound. Just following with the rest of the sheep. That's right. That's right. And um, our parliament, our parliamentary system is designed to accommodate that to a point. 
Um, and the point is, is your own moral stance. Mm -hmm. And when you allow your moral stance to be usurped by the party, then you are no longer a strong or viable or, or proper leader, in my opinion. And we can see evidence of that. The uh, um, the bill I referenced earlier, the, 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 the uh, gender gender bill. Yeah, um, affirmative care, whatever it is. It, it was unanimously passed in Parliament. Yep. Every MP that was, every sitting MP. A surprise move from the Conservatives to fast-track the ban on conversion therapy. There being no dissenting voice, I declare the motion carried. After years of fighting, it passed in mere seconds, leading to rare handshakes, even hugs, across party lines. A version of this legislation passed last summer, but it was back to square one because of the election. And I'm really happy that my colleagues across all benches have agreed with on this, and it's unanimous. NDP support was never in doubt. The Conservatives were the surprise. 62 of their MPs voted against it last time. This time, not a word of opposition and few words of explanation. We had discussion in the caucus. When the, we left the, the caucus, the leader at the press conference, saying that we are open to accelerate uh, the process, and uh, you have seen uh, what accelerate means. And what did the bill include specifically that was so immoral? It, it does not allow parents, well, parents can be criminally charged if they try to have a, a, a child that is identifying as opposite gender. Um, they, they, uh, the parent can be criminally charged if, if they try and, and um, seek any counseling for that child, um, like to encourage them away from that, uh, that, that mindset. Um, counselors, um, I've since learned, can be criminally charged too if they choose, if they opt to uh, um, counsel these, these children. Yeah, they're supposed to give gender affirming care is what they call it, where if they say I'm a boy, you affirm that, That's, even if they're a girl, instead of and I, I don't think in some way, I agree, it shouldn't be denial either. It should be exploration. Let's start asking questions. What's causing this? Because a lot of times it's rooted in other serious conditions. Yeah, that's right. Anxiety. Um, a lot of times the parents missing in the home are both parents. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything that you haven't told us that you'd like to tell us or um, tell the world? Nothing super special, I don't know. Nothing <laughs> super special. Just the uh, teaching system is... Uh, Gone corrupt, in my opinion. What about this vaping in the bathrooms you were telling me about? Oh, yeah. Um, it's hard to use the bathroom now at school without there being a crowd of people in there. Smoking marijuana and, and vaping. vaping. Yeah. And that. It's like that old song, Smoking in the Bathroom, or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Smoking in the Boyfriend. I forget how it goes now, but yeah. And this isn't. I mean. Uh, they seem very hyper-vigilant about other things in the school system right now, like yeah. whether you question things, but... Yeah, be a question if somebody's a boy or a girl. But are they not able to put some of that hyper-vigilancy towards maintaining a smoke-free bathroom? I don't know, it doesn't seem like they're doing a whole lot to really stop it. Do you think it's almost... Like, I feel like they could put smoke detectors or something in the bathroom. Because yeah. obviously the privacy reason they put can't put cameras, sure, but sure. if they put like a smoke detector or something like that. I'm surprised there isn't already a smoke detector, smoke detectors in the school system to detect these things. Well, there, there would be smoke detectors in the hallway, but just not in the bathrooms, yeah. Bathroom. Why not the bathroom? Usually fires don't start there. You wouldn't know that. You mean your toilets don't spontaneously combust? Yeah, <laughs> I should be honest, don't know, I just you figure might as well have one in every room just in case, but I guess the smoke will go out to the hallway and... Yeah, I'm well, not sure. There, there was a type of firecracker that you could put under the toilet seat when someone sat down to use it, it would go bang! Oh yeah, I've seen those before. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, What's your personal views on marijuana use? I'm, I mean, if you want to do it, do it, but I'm not. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Do you think it's harmful? Benefit? Because as I was vague, some people think it's like you know the cure for everything. And um, it's like I wouldn't say it's a cure. 
I would say it's more of an escape. Just a, a kind of like recreational drug. Yeah, like kind of like alcohol. I, I don't know if people know this. Um, I, I, they don't seem to make it uh, well known, let's put it that way, but it's dangerous for a young men like yourself to, to, to smoke marijuana. Oh, I imagine so. Um, Brain development issues? No. Yeah. No. Sterilization issues. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, stay away from it. Yeah. So, um, Would you say the use has gone up a lot? I would imagine. Yeah, it's way easier to buy it and consume it, or I guess consume, yeah, would probably be the way to put it. So, it seems like they're encouraging self-destructive behavior. Yeah. That's... That's, uh... Why, why do you want to, I'm curious, have you considered, and I don't, I don't want to encourage you, we could cut this out, but have you ever thought of dropping out? Like, yeah, what's the point of staying for another year? Yeah, I, I've considered since like grade nine. <laughs> since grade nine? Yeah. The problem for, for Danny is in order to um, go to any trade school, oh, they require yeah, the diploma. Yeah, grade nine. Needs or grade minimum 12. grade 12 yep. education. Okay. So it's like they've got they've got you got you like this, you know. Yeah, your handcuffed in. Your hand, yeah. yeah. So you 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 spend another year listening to crap and you, you know swallowing a lot of crap. And, yeah, listen to and then, a lot of BS. Well, it seems like you're spending a lot of extracurricular time earning a living. So I I take it you're not doing much homework. No, I don't. And think you're any. able to pass your courses. Get by. Yeah, you, you got to get fifty percent or higher. Yeah, you got to squeak by. So what do you think you're averaging right now? Mid sixties. So that's and that's pretty much what your like your target, I assume. Yeah, just squeak by. And you can do that without taking any homework. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, when I was your age, I had two two, I, I I adhered to two two things. Number one, anything over a pass is a waste of time. Fair enough. And number two, an exam a, a test or an exam is my way of telling the teacher how good a job they did. Mm. I never had a teacher that did a very good job. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was my attitude going through high school. Is, you know, like, I got lots of things I can do with my time. I don't really want to waste it pushing mm -hmm. for higher marks. Yeah, as long as you pass. I get past, that's, that's all that really matters. That's all they look at, really. Because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's two options here. One, we fix the school system. That's a big mess. Or two, People take their kids out of the school system, put them in private school systems, which could be done on small scale. It doesn't have to be a big, expensive school. Or three, they homeschool them. Or four, they just don't do anything. I think, I think, <laughs> I think it, there is a fundamental fifth option, and that is to redirect the financing and finances away from the, 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 the public education system and into the parents' control. Mm -hmm. So if, 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 if parents decide that they want their children to attend a public, public school and be publicly educated, um, that option's available. But if they decide that they want their children to be privately educated, then that, that like I said before, the $20,000 or whatever the amount is that they, they calculated it out to be, that money can be directed to a private institution. Kind of like a, cr a credit that they're given for a year. That's right. And if the That's school right. costs extra, then they can pay the extra. What, and the, the, exactly, exactly. What the, but you probably have a ton of new schools that would open up if that happened. I, well, the, the schools would have to be properly cr uh, accredited. So it, it wouldn't be a, um, a ton of new schools. There might be a lot of parents that decide that that would put them over the edge. That uh, you know, if they've got three kids, that's $60,000 a year that uh, they can be bringing in, or $60,000 every time a child passes, and one of their children passes the, the school year, mm -hmm. um, that they can be bringing in, and that... You mean as homeschoolers? As homeschoolers, yeah. yeah. Where the parents basically being paid to homeschool that's, their child, or that's right. reimburse, really, because it's their money in the first place, but... <laughs> the idea is just to bring competition into the education system. Yeah. If, if, if we bring competition into the education system, um, we will see public, public education lose all this crap that Danny's talking about. Mm -hmm. They'll have to. Because it, the only reason it's tolerated now is because our resources are being taken, we're being stripped of our resources to support it. And, mm -hmm. and we're being, 
we're being forced to to to, to um, give up our resources. Taxation is a form of theft, oh, sure. and it's especially a form of theft when it, when 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 we're paid and, and it's not accounted for. And you know, the perpetrators are the ones that are are like your English teacher mm -hmm. that really believe that they should be promoting the nonsense that they're promoting and expect the paycheck at the end of the day too. Yeah, exactly. They get a nice paycheck. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I know teachers that have been in there $80,000 a year. 80 plus, yeah. yeah. 80 plus. They get all the statutory holidays. They get two weeks of Christmas mm -hmm. in March and two months in the summer. Mm -hmm. Which they can either take off or they can go get a summer job and still get paid even more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's interesting because if you have that type of competition, I think what you also start to see is a lot of trade schools open up for high school students. Mm -hmm. Instead of you going, right now you could be going to a yeah, trade could, school you instead. You could be, be going to a to, mechanic to, school. Yeah, yeah. You could be doing your, your first two years of, uh, of trade school. Mm. You know, you challenge the exam for your grade 12 and then go, you know, go take your, your trade school. Do you have anything more to say? No, no? I don't think so. If anyone, um, would you be open to, like, if there's others, especially young people who are watching this in the area, if they wanted to contact yeah. you to? Um, is there like a way they could contact you or should they contact us and we yeah, just forward you? Yeah. We just forward you the yeah. email. So if they want, you know, possibly get into trade school or just find yeah. us some tips or uh, I you know, I think it'd be good. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe one day you'll be apprenticing some of them. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, is that how we word it? Apprenticing. Uh, no. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I said it right. I wanna yeah, make sure I did it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Well, well, thank you very much then. Yeah, thank you. Hands on my <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty warm in here, isn't it? Danny, thanks for coming. It's been, yeah. been a really good, uh, been a really good conversation. Thank you. And, yeah, thank you. That was part two of our interview with Daniel Hudson. It was also our final episode with Daniel Hudson. Now, I'm sure it probably didn't leave you with a really fuzzy good feeling about the education system, but it should fill you with some hope for any youth like Daniel who are willing to take responsibility for their future. Now the People's Party of Canada opposes the teaching of gender ideology, critical race theory, and sexual orientation in the school system. We also support a system whereby parents would have more options about how their child is educated, which would include homeschooling. The degradation of the school system proves the dangers of allowing big government to educate our children. The PPC believes rather in small government and big people. In next week's episode, we'll be talking to a former high school teacher from Waterloo who is a big believer in keeping government as small as possible. His name is Dr. Graham Booker. After retiring from teaching, he went back to university and earned a PhD in political philosophy. He currently lives in Stratford with his wife and is the author of an academic treatise on libertarian philosophy called Coercion, Authority, and Democracy. In next week's interview with Graham Booker, we discuss why a purely democratic society is immoral, dangerous, and ultimately tyrannical. How even a constitutional republic may offer zero protection against tyrannical takeover, unless the Constitution itself includes certain principles. The many problems with Canada's current Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. How a country would function with a minimalist government. Not only does Dr. Booker talk like Socrates, he looks like him too. Graham does a really good job at distilling the complexities of political philosophy down to a simple moral concept based around freedom from coercion. I think you'll find his words enlightening and his frankness refreshing. That's coming next week in episode number five of the Purple Microphone. Please share this episode of the Purple Microphone with friends and family. Remember, silence is consent. If you want to see positive change, you need to take positive action. If you have any questions or would like to help us, visit perthwellingtonppc.ca backslash contact for our email address and phone number. One of our representatives would be happy to meet with you to discuss your concerns. To become a subscriber to The Purple Microphone and Wayne Baker's uncensored email newsletter, 
go to perthwellingtonpbc.ca backslash subscribe. Please consider making a contribution to help cover the costs of producing and promoting this podcast. Help save Perth Wellington and the rest of our nation from government overreach, woke ideology, and irrational policies that are incompatible with freedom, fairness, respect, and personal responsibility. To donate, go to birthwellingtonpbc.ca backslash donate. You can find all these links in the description below this video, along with links to any videos, articles, and books referenced in this episode. Freedom is when there's either tyranny or anarchy, when the government works to keep people free. The PPC won't lock us down in a big nanny state. They'll leave us in peace to make this country great. This production was approved by the Perth Wellington People's Party of Canada Electoral District Association. That was part two of our interview with Daniel Hudson. Well, I must confess it probably doesn't leave you with a much hope about the educational system, but I hope it fills you with some hope. But I hope it fills you with some hope. That's a lot of hope, isn't it? Um, we got three hopes already, and I've only said a few words. Anyways, I'm going to start over again.